What's up, everybody? It's Lo, your host, and the rest of all's ATV crew. We've got Brando, Alex, and Drew, and we have so much to cover tonight, from baseball to football, the recruiting, NIL, Spire, everything else, Bussin' with the Boys featuring Coach Heupel. It's pretty awesome, but uh, tonight we're going to start with us hosting Alabama. We won the series, but Everything happened, it seemed like. Um, apparent ban on home run celebrations. Tony V got thrown out. Um, it was Coach Frank that got thrown out, I believe, right? Frank Anderson. And then I also saw a child get hit with a foul ball. So it was just a wild weekend. Um, I, let's just start out there. Friday's first night of the baseball series. I mean, uh, yeah, for Fridays, like no secret, the home plate umpire, you know, it was it was atrocious what we had to witness on Friday night, game one of the series. Um, I don't know if it's, you know, where he was standing or is he just blind or, you know, the hatred he has for our staff, but this guy just could not see a strike zone. I don't know how many, like, balls or pitches that were going to a guy's ankles, and there was a stat I saw on Twitter where this guy, like, missed 57 striking ball calls, like, absolutely atrocious. And uh, we're going to jump into the next games, but it never got better. This guy was just, you know, in our head, you know, trying to make it all about him. And I feel like that kind of controlled the first two games. But honestly, the way we bounced back, I was proud of that. But in the game one, it was just absolutely horrendous. And then we couldn't get anything going. Chase Burns struggled. That was, you know, one of his worst games, in my opinion. And for him being a, you know, first day starter, just kind of tough to see. But game one, you know, had to get it all off our chests. Yeah, I mean that was that was a really tough performance to watch, especially after they struggled offensively, you know, to Tennessee Tech earlier that week as well. You know, this is the second straight, you know, game now that like Burns has really struggled, you know, pitching within the first few innings. You know, he struggled a lot in that Friday game against Missouri as well. So I don't know if there's something that's maybe up with him or if he's like, you know, a little cold stretch, but you know, they I mean they struggled they struggled badly offensively, as Brando said as well on Friday. Just couldn't get anything going with the bats. And, you know, when you're when you miss 57 calls, you know, within the strike zone, I mean, it's just there's nothing that was going to go up your way. Awful. Yeah. Jeff Massey is as god awful as an umpire. Never should not, should not be umpire, umpiring any college baseball games whatsoever. Absolute disgrace. But, uh, yeah, they, they bounced big, big time this, uh, those last two games for sure and made a statement, I believe, in my opinion, to the rest of the conference. Yeah, I think I think Brando really just hit the nail on the head when he said uh, it's ba it was basically a nut showing contest. Um, and he called Tony V's bluff and Tony V showed up. <laughs> he showed up in that man's face. Uh, but it, it's weird. Uh, I always make basketball references. So I'm a reference to the Memphis Grizzlies game last night. The refs wanted to be a part of that so much. And I just I don't understand what it is when like some type of officiating crew like gets it in their head, maybe not even crew, just like individuals get it in their head that it's like, I want people to like see me make this scene or like make this call or something. And that's kind of like what he basically accomplished the whole weekend. And that was it. Like, let me just, let me just show my hand in and piss a bunch of people off and then go about my day pissing people off enough to where we're tracking them in the uh, airport of T or uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Tyson McGee or McGee Tyson, whatever, however you say it. But um, so please refrain from <laughs> attacking individuals. Guys, like um, we such a horrible reputation as a fan base we cannot be doing all right like come on like let's just let's just think things through all right we whoop their ass in baseball we can't Thanks. this is for all of us all no of us. absolutely not just here but twitter whatever whoever's listening to this 
do not go talking to the refs or the umpire. <laughs> that looks really, really bad for us. Like we we always we always like looking for smoke, and then we also like cause things to to like make people hate us. And then we're like, why does the national media hate us? Because we follow people. <laughs> we follow people everywhere. We like search them up on Facebook like immediately after they make one bad call. So it's like, all right, let's uh let's pump the brakes. But yeah, yeah, I mean you're right. He he just tried to like show us high end basically the whole weekend, but. Vols still won the series. That's all that really matters. I will say I kind of fed into that a little bit because I said I wanted his address uh, to mail him a pocket pussy. But honestly, I would have just been doing him a favor because at least he would have been getting something. Fair. <laughs> he got something game too, that's for sure. I mean, I okay. I want to hear everyone's thoughts about that because I rewatched it like a billion times and of course we know that Tony V is a hothead and like, I get that once you make contact, like it's an automatic suspension. But to me, it looked like dude just stepped to him. It wasn't like he was like really hardcore going at him. Like, and he made kind of a really big deal about it. I don't know. I mean, I know that Tony V is like a hothead, but I thought it was, it was basically nothing. But then I get, of course we at, we deserve maximum death penalty because we're Tennessee, so I don't know. What do y'all think about it? Well, first off, in my opinion, uh, Jeff, he should have never been involved in that altercation. Uh, if we want to really cover it, what happened was our pitching coach, he came out because it was a 2-0 count. We already missed two calls to start off the game in the first inning. And then on the third pitch, the guy for uh, Bama, he steps out of the batter's box. In college baseball rules, that's an automatic out. And then on that same pitch, he gets hit in his arm, and that injury happens. So – the pitching coach, he's already pissed off as it is. But in my opinion, the, the home plate umpire wasn't the problem in game two. I feel like the rest of the crew was honestly pretty decent from there going forward. But Jeff, when he inserted himself into the conversation, like you just come up out of nowhere having a conversation, ejects our pitching coach, and then Tony V comes up to him. And, you know, there's like circulation about what he said, you know, may or may not have said to Jeff, you know, maybe calling him a wussy and so forth. But, you know, on top of that, Jeff should have never been involved in the conversation. And whenever Tony V was having his initial talk with him, I feel like he was like literally about to walk away. And then Jeff says something back to him to make Tony get triggered. And that's when the, the contact happened, in my opinion. But honestly, I, I wouldn't drag the rest of the crew. I just feel like Jeff, that one guy, he, he hates our guts from last year in Omaha and uh, our coach from in the minor leagues. Like this is not a new thing with Jeff in Tennessee. Like he absolutely hates us. Yeah, so I didn't see that live because, you know, I was at Bristol for the dirt race. Shout out to Bristol. Shout out to NASCAR. Uh, but I did watch the replay of it. From what I've heard, apparently Bama's bench was, like, cheered, I guess, like when Dolander got hit. Yep. And I guess Frank got all redneck angry about that. And then, you know, Jeff Matthias and Tony V have actually had some history in the past, not just with Omaha, but years even prior to that. And I think it was just one of those things where, like, if Tony V even opened his mouth, it was just going to be immediate, you know, just throw him out of the game. Um, you know, I don't know what the deal of Jeff Matthias is. I don't know if it's just because he only played one year of JV baseball in high school or something or what, but uh, the man's got some issues that he needs to sort out for sure. You know, need to leave at home. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I mean, I love to see that type of passion from Tony V though. I think it was a bit ridiculous. They suspend him four games though. That, that seemed a bit excessive. On Easter weekend, man, it's just strong disgraceful i just i just think that like if if another grown man comes up to you and like gives you a slight chest bump there's no reason for you to fall five steps backwards 
and have to put a hand planted into the ground to stop your fall. Like honestly, Lo, you can you can agree that if this man has that kind of issue, he needs balance training. <laughs> like he needs help. He has severe issues going on. But like, I, I mean, I don't know. First off, like if if he came up to me like that, I'm I'm at least gonna like bow back up and be like, okay, like if you hit me, like I'm gonna at least like stand my ground. But that was just a dramatic fall. And then also to that point, you could kind of see with the way the other uh, umpires stepped in that they they weren't really like quick to like like physically stop tony v but they was just like hey, hey like hold on like they kind of like knew that like something was about to blow up and they knew that like their dude was probably in the wrong like it looked like they were understanding of the situation like hey calm down like you're going to get in trouble way more than he is so like hold your horses a second but i just i find it comical that like he did seven backflips because somebody like put his chest on him Oh, it looked like a flop from like an English Premier League match with like Man United or something. It was like a soccer flop. It was oh, like absolutely! You, you basketball he, he had serious injury. Awful. <laughs> it was really bad, and honestly, I just don't get it. Like, I mean, yeah, they're also two grown men, but like, who just stands there with someone right in your face and doesn't plan to expect something to happen. Like if someone's like two inches in front of my face screaming at me or saying something, I'm going to prepare to like maybe take some impact or something. I mean, obviously this guy's never had any physical contact in his life besides getting his ass beat. So I just don't understand. (laughs) Comments like that. Come on, guys. <laughs> Come on, love. Zero percent, zero percent physical affection from anyone ever. Oh my God. I mean, this guy came you know, down and he ruined our Easter. He tried to ruin our Easter. That's true. Really, though, I mean, we outscored Bama twenty-four to six in those two games. I don't really. I'd like to think we there was a bigger picture than the bump incident. You know, bump gate. So. I'm just saying, like, if we didn't take it into our own hands, I'm, like, kind of scared of how that series worked out because in, like, game uh, game two and three, the bats did come alive. Like, you had Jordan Beck, he hit two homers. Trey Lipscomb hit two, and I think Ortega even hit two himself. So, like, you know, three guys with two home runs apiece, and I was, like, 13 or 14 of our 27, like, runs in the series, I think, came off the home runs. Like, absolutely ridiculous. But if that hadn't happened, I wonder how the officiating and, you know, umpires would have, you know, made it about themselves and what would happen with Jeff because, you know, game one and two, he was all there. Maybe maybe this is just me. I just kind of had a random question that I thought of. Do you feel like our team uh, – I, I feel like I see a lot more of this, but do you feel like our team hits a lot of solo shots? Like I've kind of I've kind of noticed that I see a lot of like uh, single home runs. I don't know if that, that might just be me, but – I feel like Luke does a lot every time he comes up to the batter. No matter what, especially Lipsy, it's like – Recently, his bat has been absolutely high, like even on solo home runs or just getting on base. I feel like him being that strong leader on the team, he's definitely been the kind of guy to like rally behind. And after he gets his home run in, I feel like then you have Beck and Lipscomb and all that fall, fall with it. So, Well, personally, I wanted to give a shout out to um, Ortega for the Saturday-Sunday series. Like he played freaking badass. Um, I, I was just texting y'all last night. I couldn't pull up stats for that, but I did watch the whole thing and he got, I don't know how many, what, two? Five or six, I think. Yeah, five. Yeah, he did really well. I was so pissed that I couldn't pull up stats. So I'm just sitting here like trying to talk out of memory, but that's okay. 
I just yeah. wanted to give a shout out. I feel like Luke and Ortega are really like our two guys that we can really rely on when it comes to at batting. I mean, because he went four for five on Sunday as well. And, you know, this team gets either like a lot of like, you know, solo shot homers or triples. I've never seen a team in my life get as much triples as this team does. Like, it's insane. I feel like they average at least one or two triples a game. Bro, even Luke, he was like, I'm going to give him another shout out. Like, he hit that one and he saw it. He kind of watched it for a second. Then he turned on the burners and he got the third. And then I was like, dang. Like, he was ready to go. It's just oh, yeah. Crazy seeing this guy, <laughs> like, most guys would just sit there and glare, you know, try to get a base hit just in general. Like, we're out here pushing, trying to push it down your throat. And, Drew, I think I think you tweeted this, actually. Um, you were saying, like, our ability to score with two outs is, like, is uncanny across the league. So, I also think that's really big because it's, like, once you get to two outs, like, the defense is feeling pretty confident that they're about to, they're about to flip the scene and, and put some runs on the board. But, like, how demoralizing is it? Is you've, got, you've got two outs on us, number one team in the country, and then they still find a way to put up two or three runs. Oh, yeah. That inning. Like, that's got to be – just piss you off top. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, this team's clutch, man. Like, in game-time situations where they really need to get runs in, with the, literally the only exceptions are that Tennessee Tech game and Alabama on Friday night. Like, that is literally it. You know, outside of that, it's like in any situation where they need to get at least a couple runs in, they manage to make it happen. And, I mean, there's a reason why, you know, like, we're the odds-on favorite to win the College World Series this year. I mean, this team's just – I feel like I'm saying this every week, but this, this team is ridiculous. Like, honestly, it's just – it's wild. Another thing I wanted to I wanted to note on uh, our pitching, like the relievers, especially. I wanted to give a shout out to them because our pitching day day one was off with Chase Burns. Day two, uh, you have the injury, and you know you're like, oh, like fuck, what are we gonna do? Then you have a uh, Sidwell, I think, came in and he you know pitched five or six innings, only allowing two runs. Absolutely insane. And then day three, Drew Beam kind of held his own, allowing three, but. All in all, our relievers were a strong suit. They only allowed one earned run in the whole series of all three games where they were key with all three starting pitchers not really doing anything. And to like have that kind of bullpen in your arsenal on top of pitching, especially because uh, Seth Halverstein, the uh, transfer from Missouri, he's out for the rest of the year. I think his injury got reset. And then now you got one of the pitchers that's day-to-day with Bill Landers. So you just got to you know try to get going and try to find a way. But I think our pitching has really been helpful even when we can't score runs. I agree with that. I wanted you just mentioned Dolander. Did they ever come out and say specifically like what it was? I obviously got hit. Bruised. Like he's. Yeah, I like think he, by. I think by next weekend he'll be good to go. From what I've heard, so. I'm yeah, sure. Really like, about yeah. it. I mean, oh, yeah. my God! But I was Look, curious if there were any updates. I guess going into the Florida one, Drew, you had that big update about that one pitcher we're about to play. Yeah, so Florida's best pitcher, Hunter Barco, he's actually the only starter that they have that has a, you know, lower than a three ERA. He got shut down for the rest of the year for, you know, with arm issues and everything. So they're now left with Brandon Spro and Nick. Oh, both these guys have over 4.2 ERA. And, you know, I think they each only have three wins this year alone. And this is a huge issue that Florida's had all season with their starting rotation. So. Could have happened to a better team, you know, especially this weekend. So I'm I'm ready to watch us chomp on those Gators this weekend for sure. <laughs> well, well, I saw something I saw something earlier today that said, speaking of Ortega, said that he had like 20 family members coming in for the game, and it was uh, I think it's 20 Puerto Ricans or something like that. And they said 
Um, it doesn't matter if like the rest of our fan base doesn't travel because 20 Puerto Ricans can keep up with the rest of <laughs> the rest of the ballpark down there. Oh yeah. I just, I'm so excited to, to just see what that environment's like. Cause you know, anytime Tennessee gears up to play Florida, it's always going to be something going on, but I, I would just love, I would love nothing more than to only hear 20 Puerto Ricans and however many other ball fans are there just cheering their heads off while the, while the balls just sweep Florida. That would be nothing better to start my weekend and get these finals weeks started. But that's what I'm looking forward to. Anytime you can beat Florida, absolutely for it. Same thing with Bama. Won the series, but now we're looking for a sweep. So let's get that turned around and see what we can do down in Gainesville. After Dre's bit of info, I'm pretty confident in sweeping that series. Even if it's away, I'm not really concerned about it. That's also funny about his family. Like They'll probably have a balling-ass time. Mm -hmm. I love Puerto Rico and all the people are so lively and fun. Such a blast. Great place to go. I guess uh, another note, since we're going on the road, the balls and baseball, we haven't lost a road series like since like what, 2019. So absolutely. ridiculous. I don't expect that to change at all this weekend. If with that starting pitcher, I just see us having fun with the bats, uh, you know, and if there's 20 Puerto Ricans with our crazy fan base on top of that, I'm just kind of scared to see what we're going to do in Gainesville. People already hate us baseball-wise. And if you make some Gator fans hate you, they're going to get toxic. So feel the fire, baby. Honestly, if anywhere near that stadium, you got to go. I looked it up just for the hell of it. Tickets are $15 for that. For that oh, my season. God. You got to go. Like, <clears throat> they they must not be expected much. <laughs> oh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> They're just trying to make some money on those tickets. <laughs> I really blame them. So. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, they did beat uh, Vanderbilt in Game Three. I think they like they lost the series two one, but they did find a way in like twelve innings to beat Vanderbilt. Uh, we swept them. So I mean, if that, so that says anything, that's the weird thing about this team is that you know they got swept by Georgia. You know they lost LSU. They lost to Vanderbilt, but they also beat Bama and Arkansas series wise at home. Mm-hmm. So, like, they're not that bad of a team at home, but they're so inconsistent that I just feel like we're going to be just too overwhelmed, honestly. As long as our pitching holds up, I think we should be fine. But I think our pitching coach, he should be back, right? I think he only had yeah. one game suspension. Yeah, he's so back. That'll be good to have that kind of key staff. Because the guy on third base, I give a shout out to him. I don't know the coach's name, but, man, he was doing it all by himself. I remember seeing in the game of Bama, he was running from the dugout running back out to the third base, giving signals, talking to the bullpen, trying to do everything by themselves. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's not the first time. Uh, you know, it's happened before last year, the year before that. You know, Tony V kind of has his moments. So it's just, you know, good to see a big, strong staff all around. I wanted to give a shout out to him. Well, and also worth pointing out just how awesome our team was to rally around and not only win those two games without their head coach, but beat the brakes off of Bama in those two games. I mean, obviously – they have enough internal support staff and just are confident enough to be able to come out no matter what they face and dealing with Dolander out with that injury too. Like all of it just kind of happened at once and they did more than fine. So does Tony get to go back? He gets to go back on the final game of the series. Right? Yeah. So that'll be interesting. So, if I'm wondering, since you're a suspended coach, can you travel to Florida, or does he have to stay in Tennessee until Sunday and then make his way down to Florida, or does it like does he have to be away from the team at all? Or I think he could travel. I think like him traveling yeah. team is not an issue. I just think it's the fact yeah. that he can't be inside the stadium on Friday and Saturday. So, yeah. well, can he uh, be at practice? Do we know that? Can he coach practice? 
I mean, I think he's only suspended for games. Like it didn't like it yeah. didn't practice. So I mean, he's suspended as a I don't know a suspended head coach. I don't know what that means. I guess his games are. I mean, Bruce did that in his final year here when he was like suspended for those eight games. He would like you know be practicing with the team, give them like a game plan, and then you know uh, what's his name, Tony Jones, I think, who was the who was the assistant, would just you know go along with that. So. If, yeah, I'm, I, if I'm Coach V, sorry to cut you off. If I'm Coach no, V, I'm getting far away from Gainesville, finding the nicest beach I can on Friday and Saturday, going and exploring Florida, having a good time. Like, you know, don't worry about it. You know, your guys are going to get it done probably. Probably check his phone and be watching come game time. But if he's not, you know, go out there and enjoy it while you can. That's a free vacation. Shit. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, he's probably not even mad about the, the result of the suspension because at, at the time we were struggling a little bit. We, we dropped a game to Tech and we dropped that first game to Bama. So he probably took that and used it as fuel to the fire, like you were saying, low. Like that, that did turn around the complexion of that series and at least our team for the little bit. Um, so I mean, coach, you know, coaches do that at times. Like coaches in basketball, they'll get technicals just to to like start something that maybe gets a fire under their team's hunt in. But that's I think that's one thing that like we we definitely need to make sure that we do everything we can to hold on to Tony V for that reason because you can tell that 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 dude's players would run through a brick wall for him any day of the week. And, and that's the type of dude you need leading your team, somebody that's going to not only like push you in practice and like and push you in workouts and push you in games and stuff like that, but somebody who's also like there on the other side of it, who's like, you know, what, I'll go to war for you if you go to war for me. Like that's that's how you create what we've created now. And I just I respect that the shit out of that man. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just I, I think he's doing great things and I hope our pocketbooks are wide open for him. So, oh, yeah, I mean, even us as fans, like. Again, we are going after people in the airport because, because they made him upset. Like that's how much that's how much we love him and that's how much we would fight for him because we know how much he'd fight for our team. So shout out Tony V. I don't care if you get suspended hundred games as long as we keep winning, you keep doing your thing. I just want to make it known I was not the fan going after <laughs> in the airport. That was not me. What to make so crazy all Twitter. And again, do not do that. That is not a good <laughs> that is a very easy way. To get yourself arrested, especially all in all, though, man. It's all in all, that man, that man, Jeff, man. You can't, you can't deny what he did this weekend and the impact he did on, you know, college baseball. If I'm Bama or Tennessee, I'm doing everything I can because even both ways, like he threw that one Bama coach out. I'm making sure that this guy, you know, call the SEC, call the block list, make sure this Jeff Massius guy is on it because there's a reason he's banned from umping in the major leagues now. He's banned from Triple League ball. Like this guy is a horrendous umpire, and the fact we had to go through a whole weekend with him, I do not want to see another series this year with this good of a team to stop like kind of greatness that's going on. Just I don't want to see it. Well, I have another thing. Was he the guy that eliminated the fur coat and daddy hat? What kind oh, of yeah. trip is he on? What in the hell? Who gives him the authority? Again. It's like I said, like he probably only played one year of JV baseball, never made the varsity. Got hit by a pitch like, and cried, and it's like, fuck it. You know, he has, has this, like, just ball <laughs> that makes him want to be up. It's kind of like uh, like what my dad used to call it, especially of refs when he would get technicals when growing up when I was playing basketball. He, he'd call it Napoleon Syndrome. He probably has that, so. <laughs> Little man syndrome, ain't that what it is? 
Same thing. Yeah, he would just call like the refs anytime they were on a power trip. He would just call him to pull. Do you think? Do you think he was calling the strikes under the feet because that's the only thing he could see? He couldn't see over the like over the country. <laughs> you know, he looks he looks a lot like a redneck version of like PC Principal from South Park. You know what I mean? With the glasses and the teeth and the ridiculous <laughs> facial hair, like to a team. Because that's yeah. probably like maybe about no offense, probably like 175 pounds heavier than that character. So no offense, no offense, no offense. You know, you, you know how you stop us from like wearing a daddy hat and putting the fur coat on? Pitch better, okay? Play better baseball. If you if you if it, honestly if it makes you that mad that we celebrate our home runs, prevent us from hitting home runs, okay? That's it. Like it doesn't have to be like an umpire stepping in and being like, "Oh, y'all are having too much fun. Baseball's <laughs> got to be boring." Uh, like that's people quit watching baseball for that reason. So like if it's fun and it's exciting and people are like talking crap to each other, that's what you want to see. Like you want to see action. Yeah. So if, if you, if you really want to keep us from like doing well, like get better. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, I hate that. Like if we're celebrating doing that. stuff. I just want to get to the bottom of why the fuck we stopped <laughs> doing it. Like, are were we gonna get fined? Like who says he's the say all means all? I mean, I don't see him having any upper level authority whatsoever. Like, why the fuck did we stop doing it? That's what yeah, probably he probably requested it, but like, I'm pretty sure they did on Sunday anyway. I'm pretty sure they brought out the fur coat and the daddy hat back on Sunday anyway. So, I don't, I didn't see it again. Power trip guy that didn't, you know, only played one year of JV baseball. Like, that's yeah, the only by pitch. If you're the SEC <laughs> and you want you want your college baseball and the conference to be a big money grabbing sport, you got to make sure guys like that guy are not in your like in your in your conference. You can't have them on. I know like everything SEC, all we talk about in basketball, baseball, football is how they're a billion dollar company, a billion dollar investment, and they don't have good officiating. It's absolutely horrendous. This is like a one guy thing, but still controlling the impact, getting our guy gone for four games. You never want your coach gone, even though how badass it was. You know, it's just it's absolutely ridiculous. And if you want this to be, you know, big and you want it to have the full potential and you know people to turn on Tennessee baseball or any team in the SEC, like you gotta you gotta fix it. Hey, I want to I want to interject with a, a funny comment that somebody just said on the feed. It was a uh, Ron H three. <laughs> he said he said that dude looks like old boy from Dodgeball. <laughs> he does. He looked just like him. That that stupid facial hair. It looked he was ugly too. Like dang, bro. Like you can't you know, be like, making a fuss if you like look like that way. You, you already look seen at the very end of the movie where like he like you know. They lost the tournament, and he's like all bloated, eating fried chicken, and you know, with his shirt hanging out, all three hundred pounds. That's Jeff Matthews right there. Hey, he said, "How did how do you end it, Drew?" He said, "Fatty make a funny." <laughs> That's exactly what he did when he threw out Tony B. He's like, "Oh, guys, well, we're better than this." All right. <laughs> all right, we'll talk about Jeremy Pruitt then. Our little guy Jeff. No, I agreed. Jeff was our new JP. Jeff is the problem. But Brian Young, he hopped in our DS. He said, we should have kept wearing the fur coat. If we're going to be the bad boys of baseball like we want, then we should just go all out. Fuck them. So I agree 100%. Absolutely. You know, wear that I like fur coat, put that daddy hat on. You know, they'll bring it back. Try. I don't care. Fuck it. Next thing I want to see is a fucking brass knuckle added to the outfit. <laughs> oh, <laughs> These are the comments that we said we can't. <laughs> you know, and you wonder why literally everyone hates our guts. Like, <laughs> Come on, hey, come on. We let's, gotta have let's be mature. Not brass hey. knuckles low. We can get a ring. Imagine, imagine a ring with the outfit. 
God, I hate that people are going to take that seriously. Please don't. <laughs> They're going to be like, Low said to. I was just listening to what she said. Oh, God bless. And <laughs> then it's just going to be like this little cut of like me saying it and then nothing afterwards. <laughs> well, I took a pair of brass knuckles and began to figure out why they won't let me in. I'm giving my all, damn it. Jeff Mancius. I just won't give my all. <laughs> oh, Christ. Yeah, we took a fucking <laughs> turn. Okay. I thought we were I love well. Tennessee Ford. Unbelievable. <sighs> Nasty. Brando, you got Tennessee football recruiting information? <laughs> I actually do, Drew. I really, really do. Uh, actually, this past weekend, it was like a huge, huge week for Tennessee football recruiting. We landed uh, two huge in-state recruits in Trevor Duncan, four-star uh, edge on rivals. Trevor Duncan, strong defensive end. Then you also landed the number five uh, edge in the nation, number one player in the state of Tennessee, Caleb Herring today, which is like a really big announcement yesterday. Really big, big win for Tennessee, landing him over teams like Georgia and Miami, finally hopping in the boat early to an already elite class. Uh, that brings Tennessee's overall number of top 100 recruits to three. Last year, uh, we had zero by the way. So three already top 100 recruits. One of them's an in-state. Other one's a five-star quarterback. And then, you know, you also, you know, more on the way, you got Sylvester Smith, four-star safety. He's announcing on the 26th. You got Brew McCoy in the transfer portal about to make some news. So all in all, big, big weekend, big, big week for recruiting leading up to Memorial Day weekend where they're going to have their biggest weekend probably in a while. You got Carnell Tate, Vic Burley, Jeremiah Cobb, uh, Noah Rodgers is a five-star receiver. And then you got Caleb Herring, the new commit with the new edge coming in, Rico Walker. And that list is going to keep on growing because there's like new five-stars and four-star prospects reaching out to our staff every day trying to come for a visit. So really expect that to kind of grow. Uh, the ball is also made the top five of four-star wide receiver Aiden Williams, who's like a really big priority. And then the four-star off of the tackle, will conform B. I think he's like a top 20 tackle, uh, tackle in the nation. So Really, really big recruiting. You're kind of seeing Tennessee kind of bloom. Uh, all the people said Josh Heifel couldn't recruit, couldn't do this, couldn't build a relationship. It's not just NIL money. It's not just everything going on. Like these coaches are building relationships and they're getting guys wanting to come in. And you got more guys seeing it all happen and wanting to show up on campus. Like five-star uh, wide receiver Brandon Ennis, the number one receiver in the 2023 class. Uh, he's set to use his final visit probably on Tennessee or another team. If you get that guy here with Carnell Tate, and you have those two receivers like Kyler Casper, who I'm not going to try to throw a shot on him. That's no disrespect to him, but Noah Rogers and Brandon Ennis, like those are two, two top 10, top five receivers. That's a really, really big key for this offense. And then in the in the trenches, the number two offensive tackle, five-star Francis, uh, I'm going to fucking butcher this, Mago or Mago, I don't know how to say it. Number two offensive tackle. Yeah, he's originally from California. Uh, the Nico connection is kind of there, but he attends IMG Academy with Carnell. So they're kind of working them both to get a package going there, try to land two IMG guys. And I think both are like top 100 prospects. So it's absolutely ridiculous what you're seeing on the trail and uh, just kind of getting forward to it. Going to be really, really big weeks coming up. But you land the number one guy in the state. It's a really good week. I think I think one of the biggest things about all this recruit news that's around us is that we really have – it's so many coaches and so many, I mean, like just the, the big three that like uh, kind of always talk about us, not Dabo, but Dabo, Saban and Kiffin. They're all three out here trying to virtue signal and be like, well, 
those those guys in East Tennessee are just paying players. Like they're not building no relationships. They're just buying whoever they want. And it's this is just a market. And then you're gonna screw up the team dynamic. Like he ain't been doing it for years. Like anytime that somebody doesn't commit to Bama, they drive in a new Dodge or a Dodge Challenger in in uh Crimson Red the second they put pen to paper. Okay. So I I just I, I take so much joy in in hearing Kiffin say, Oh, in East Tennessee, they're doing something funny. Like you're just mad. You're mad. So I don't know. I just had to throw that out there. I, I love you know it. They aren't very smart. I mean, it's legal now, and then they decide to back for it. Like we're actually following the rules. Sorry, you guys haven't. They're they're mad that like we're doing the same thing that they were doing, and we used to be bad at it, but now we're like getting good at it. <laughs> and they're like, oh no, they might they might compete. They might they might have a following. So, it's just all out of fear. Like it's all out of fear and I love it that we should be feared. I love every second of it. This class is going to be so badass. Like I am out of my mind ready for football season. I'm oh, so ready. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I think Heupel's already shut the haters down with this, like, you know, with the sentiment that he can't recruit, not just in-state, but recruiting in general, you know, and it's like what Brando said, mentioning Francis Mal go with a five-star offense tackle, Carnell Tate, you know, Malik Benson is a Juco, number one Juco wide receiver and five-star wide receiver Brand Ennis. These are all guys where Tennessee is trending upwards in their recruiting, you know. Now I was looking it up today just because, you know, I had nothing else to do at work today, so I had to look it up. And, you know, we had the number two recruiting class in 2002. You know, we've only had, I think, about three recruiting classes in the last 20 years where we've had top five classes. You know, if you even land about two of these guys, like Carnell Tate, and, you know, Francis Malgo, I mean, those are about – that's three five-stars right there alone. This recruiting class right here has the potential to be one of the best recruiting classes, if not the best recruiting class Tennessee's ever had. And you you have to consider that Heifel has been able to do that in his second year. Now, I know there's a lot of factors, that NIL is involved and all this stuff as well, but that speaks volumes from, for him, considering that Fulmer was feared for years on the recruiting trail. Like, and – the job that he's done it just is just night and day compared to the last, you know, three stooges that we had as our head coaches for this football program. Jeremy Pruitt. All right. <laughs> Thanks. And I guess already, you know, looking at it, you're already at uh, the number eight class right now, and that's with the combined rank with on 24-7 with both transfers and commits. And right now we have zero transfers for the 2023 class where other teams already have three or four going on and getting them in for this semester, kind of abusing that rule. But you do have some transfer portal action going on. You got uh, Brew McCoy that uh, everyone knows is, you know, trying to set to make a decision soon. I think he has to do something by May 1st, if I'm not wrong. So expect something like the 1st of May or maybe that weekend on the 31st or something. He might come out with an official announcement there. I don't think any other team has kind of been involved there. But, you know, if you can get, get involved with that Francis guy or, you know, do whatever you can to do for the 2023 class. Like if you get some help in the trenches like that, that's a guy that's, you know, going to be a, you know, a three-year guy, probably first, second round pick. And, you know, you can really get those guys and attach them here with what we're to offer, not just on the field, but with the NIL. And, you know, not to mention today, the new law passing with the state of Tennessee that Governor Bill Lee signed that uh, Tennessee now can have like a hand on with all of his coaches, any sport, you know, kind of involve them with what they do outside of things of Tennessee athletics. So that's really big, I feel like, because there's a lot of opportunities like guys like uh, Juice Davis that host those events for NIL Inspired that, you know, we've been involved or 
been invited to in the past. And now that coaches like Coach Hype, Rick Barnes, Kelly Harper, they can go out there and, you know, do a charity event or, you know, raise money for their team. And then that's going to, you know, eventually benefit them NIL-wise, which is absolutely insane. And I think we're like, we're like one of the first states to do that. So taking advantage of that, getting it done while you can. I think the only other two are like California and Texas or someone else. But, you know, joining teams like USC and the recruiting, like it's absolutely ridiculous. The The standard for the, the bar for this class is absolutely high. I'm seeing like maybe top 10 at least, top five if you excel right. And if you go like nine and three, 10 and two, and you just have like a crazy season like that, that's going to make more guys believe you on the field with already what you're offering off the field. Like they know you're a good coach. They know everything they're hearing. They're like about the relationships and you have guys coming here and rage about the coaching staff. If you put it on the field, like that's where you really get like top five, top three, you know, top two classes. And Drew said, you haven't done it since 2002, 20 years ago. I think now's the time. Like you got to do it sometime now or never. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to say thank you, Brando, for like really going into detail about that law because I had a lot of people asking me about it and I was kind of unsure, but you're so intertwined with it that you make it make sense. Cause I was like, well, why is this such a big deal? You know, it, you got to really be in the world to understand it. So I think that'll help out some people who have been questioning, why is this such a big deal for us? Why is it a big deal for the university? That helped me out a lot too. So I just wanted to say thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think last night, to be honest, I think it was Heifel that was at an event some football event and uh, doing like an interview, just a meet and greet kind of thing. And I think he had an interview where like guys were kind of asking him about NIL and Spire and stuff and regarding his 2023 class and landing the top quarterback. And you couldn't answer those questions directly, but I don't know if you can now. I don't know how that changes or not. I'm not sure on that part, but if you can just go in and openly talk about what Spire is doing, like what you're offering, what you're able to put on the table to part of your team and, you know, bring other guys in and let it, you know, be a full on invasion. That's kind of a big deal. Like that's a big, big deal. Cause you know, other go, other guys, other coaches in the SEC, they legally can't do that. Like they just can't. And I think, I think anytime you can, you can put on the full court press, like you was just saying, and you can, you can be fully transparent with what, what they're doing and like kind of what they offer to the university. I think that just makes a clean slate for everybody. That way everybody's on the same page. It's not, you, you're hearing it from like, essentially like a third person um the third person being like whoever spiral would talk to for us and now they or i guess yeah talk to for us and then come to the players like you're hearing it directly from the horse's mouth and i think that can only help with everything going forward honestly because when you when you're transparent there's nothing that's like uh left in the closet or there there's nothing there's nothing to hide for everybody so i think it just makes it better and, and it will just improve the way that we run things i think but yeah, I mean, also, I feel like, you know, like, especially if these recruits see, like, you know, what the current players are getting now, whether if it's for basketball, like Sakai, or for football, Hinton Hooker, or, you know, or Cedric Tillman, if they see, like, what these guys are getting in now and, like, see what Tennessee fans and just university in general is willing to invest into these guys, that has to excite a lot of recruits to come visit here, not to mention this, like, out-of-control fan base that we have, too. So, you know, like, yeah. Recruits, they definitely take a note, uh, notice to what's going on behind the scenes with Tennessee. Like, you know, a tweet went out earlier about the NIL laws that I put out. And, like, the first, you know, 100 likes, it was Carnell Tate in there and some other guys, other targets, you know, showing love and seeing what Tennessee's doing statewide, knowing that it'll benefit them in the long run of seeing Tennessee as a legit school. 
And that's big when you're already, you know, battling schools like Ohio State and Georgia yeah. already for a, a prestigious five-star receiver. So, you know, being able to throw that extra hand in there and have that extra talk and be able to talk hands-on about who you want and why you want them and what, what they can offer and your potential. And I'm like, I feel like that's the, the perfect thing because you have that coach evaluation and then you do the money evaluation, whatever. You know, not everyone's going to make those big bucks. And I think that's what went wrong with the whole collar thing. I think he had a way too big of a value tag on his head of where he was going to be and trying to reclassify coming in with a guy where we're about to land brew in a loaded wide receiver room. I just think that, you know, he felt low ball, but to be honest, like you really have to understand that not every high school receiver or high school player is going to be valued that high. Like there's positions that are valued by the NFL more in a draft, just like there's going to be an NIO with like edge rushers, DBs, linebackers, a quarterback, like you want to go and find a leader and a, a, a person that's going to lead your team and invest in the right person. And, not everyone's going to get, you know, however many digits they want. So I feel like that's a big thing for kids going forward to kind of humble them, like understand that just because you're not getting that big offer doesn't mean you're not valued and a priority to these teams. I'm glad you mentioned Kyler because I actually wanted to ask you on that. So, you know, I don't think – I don't know if you know Low or Alex, if you all know, but Kyler, like, also reclassified to 2022, like for this year as well, after committing to Oregon. If you're hypo, I mean – wouldn't you at that point rather still have Brew McCoy, McCoy, even if it is for a year, just considering the fact that he was the number one athlete out of, you know, out of high school? I mean, I feel like at that point he would make more of an immediate impact than Kyler. No offense, of course. To be honest, I don't I don't think the uh, the whole Brew factor of knowing that we're going to land Brew really had a, a sway on his decision of where he wanted to reclassify at because Tennessee, they knew, was going to be a, an option to reclassify. He did have the option here. Uh, we did have the extra spot from not using it in the last class, you know, roster spots and the new, you know, roster rules of the NCAA and the COVID stuff. So there was an extra spot for him if he wanted to do it. But I think it had to do more with his family and his ear. Uh, there was like a lot of talk about what his dad wanted to do best for him. They kind of had an amazing visit and like, it was like, oh, Casper's locked down, you know, receiving crystal balls, all the love in the world. And then they go home and it's kind of like a brand new thing. 360, Tennessee doesn't want to give me this, you know, this number. They don't see this in me. Uh, they're going to give Carnell whatever. They're going to, you know, maybe they don't see a value in me that they see in someone else, quote unquote, like that probably swayed his decision to do that. But it also, I think not only did it uh, benefit Tennessee, it sucks to lose a guy like that. But I think it does benefit because you also have that extra load to go show another guy, the top guy, that he's your priority at that position. Like you're not going to spend big on both guys. And if you can lock down that one guy, like it's a whole different thing. I mean, everyone knows this was kind of coming with the new college and NIL laws. And I think there was like an article, you know, the athletic kind of covered our Nico thing. There was one about a receiver signing like a four year, one million dollar deal or something that just reclassified, which kind of just gives you the obvious about what was at stake and what Kyler wanted. And, you know, if Tennessee didn't want to give him a million dollars. I'm fine with that. Like, I'm absolutely fine with that. You're not going to see the, the field year one here, but he probably will at Oregon, you know, better fit for him. But I just think it kind of had drama all over it just from his dad and everything else kind of getting involved there. I think personally, I have a few thoughts about this. First, Tennessee shouldn't, as much as people like want to shit on us for the past however many years, we are a top 15, top 20 historical, like top of the line program. We should not have to sell ourselves that much. And we're already doing very well as is with the NIL deals and everything we have to offer. But I think it's very important to look at players who are actually wanting to come and play and 
play for the goals of the team and play to win championships and not just playing for themselves. That's a slippery slope with these deals and trying to keep pushing the limit and pushing the envelope. Eventually, you're just going to have to sit down and the players are going to decide what's best for them. And if they want to chase a million dollars somewhere else, that's fine. And I hope it works out for them. But I just think and I'm happy that we let we'll let some of those guys slide because I want the team to be unified and all after the same goal, which is hopefully to win an SEC championship and a natty under Coach Heupel. That's my goal. That's why I think, uh, not to cut anyone off, but I think uh, that's why we need to focus on valuing how we're doing in-state because a lot Uh of these in-state guys aren't just getting locked down. Like Most of them probably won't get deals, but, you know, to go into your home state or other schools like Kentucky and Ole Miss and, you know, schools like that are coming into your state, coming into Nashville and Knoxville and taking your prospects and you're getting locked down, you know, top 400 players or Caleb Herring, you know, Aiden Bussella, Mount Juliet, Nate Spillman to lock up, you know, try to get his brother in 2024. Like you're doing all this in your state and showing these guys that Tennessee's, you know, trying to be back to dominance. And that starts not only here, but, you know, all in the Southeast of getting involved with top prospects. But when you go to your kids in your state and say, hey, this is what we're building. This is who's coming around. And we value you as a kid in the state of Tennessee. We want you to give your offer to Tennessee. Like to have those guys lock in, you got more in-state commits this year than the last three classes combined. It's absolutely ridiculous. So. I feel like that needs to be praised and that kids are finally seeing that Tennessee is, you know, the place that runs Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And not to get a little too off topic, but like back to like what Lowe was saying, you know, I mean, like we, I'm like, you know, Tennessee is a top 10, top 15 all-time program, but like you got to remember though for kids like, you know, Carnell, Nico, Jack, I mean, you heard him last week that like when he thought of Tennessee, he really came to mind. And obviously for us, it's like, you know, like we're Tennessee, like we were the GOAT in the 90s and all this stuff. But like most of those kids weren't even alive. I'm, well, they weren't alive. Like, but, <laughs> but, you know, so I understand like, you know, you want to like sway in because of like what the program's about, what it stands for and everything. But like, I don't necessarily have too much of an issue with having other factors to sway them in. I'd rather have them have those other factors to sway them in for now. And then when they show that success on the field, then we can prove again, like what this brand is all about. I have to say, I kind of disagree because they have to be, I love the disagreements because you have to, in order to be fully committed to the program, you need to be bought in on all the expectations, all the traditions, everything that's expected and not just be too concerned about money. That's my thing. We, the money thing has just started. I mean, legally, Right. Just started. Legally. Yeah, legally yeah. just started. I get I totally get your opinion, Drew. I feel like we could meet in the middle. But like I just feel I feel like you need to be in the middle. You can't be like, oh, I'm just going here because I want all this money and you yeah. can't well Tennessee is the go. So Yeah, absolutely. I mean I agree with that. Like where you have to have a middle ground where like obviously having that type of like, you know, that offer would be nice, but also realize like what this program's all about. But like for a lot of those kids, though, they don't know that Tennessee is anything. Like when they think of Tennessee, I mean, I mean, I hate to say it, but like they think of us like losing to Vanderbilt and Georgia State. Like they don't, they don't think of us winning the national championship in '98 or winning, you know, being in the SEC championship every other year or anything like. That. Like they think like Ole Miss has more than we do. And I mean, and I hate to say it, I mean, I really do, but like they've had more success than we've had in the last 10 years, you know? And so 
like it's important to like remember that factor but like i agree in the middle like you know like where they have to like you know believe in here and you know know be committed to like what tennessee football is all about but the money factor is important though i agree i'm also i'm sorry to cut anyone off but i've had this question sitting on my head for a minute do y'all think that there needs to be some sort of cap on this before it just gets wildly out of control or is we just it's just no. gonna be control and then let it fly? No, I want it to be the wild wild west. Like I'm like I'm kids <laughs> like thirty million dollars. I, I I couldn't care less. If it means that they come here, I mean if it means that we have to put one of the recruits' faces on the back of the Jumbotron, I'm <laughs> like, oh, fuck no. <laughs> I, I don't care. We've don't tried care. this. <laughs> We've tried this before. <laughs> I think I think as a as a fan of an SEC team that has the second highest or fifth highest grossing income in all of college sports, I do not want to cap on this rule. I think it is perfectly fine where it is at, and I think that is a uh, no advantages whatsoever for our university. But as a guy that knows the SEC, I know that they're probably going to put a cap eventually on this. You know, they do this conference. Let's be honest; they go in their own way and let the NCAA follow. I think the SEC will eventually do something where everyone kind of, you know, follows that kind of rule. I don't know where it will be capped at. Like, it's going to be like an overall athletics thing, like for all your programs, what you can spend here. Because if you do that, then you know everyone's whole pot is going to fucking football, like in the SEC. Your tennis program, kiss our natties goodbye, kiss our soccer goodbye, because we're not we're not investing in that. You know that money's going to strip football. No. But, you know, no, I'm not with us, but like other schools. You know, I know Danny White wouldn't do some shit like that, but – to be honest, like you got guys are the SEC. If you're in the bottom of the SEC, you're desperate to win in co- college football. Like you're going to do whatever it takes, spend whatever kind of money. If it's 75 percent or right. a large sum of it, at least to, to win in football. But that's why you got to have it like baseball. No salary cap. And I'm sorry if you don't have money. Well, it sucks to suck. You know, deal. With it. So, but, then, but if we go every season and we get to the season and they want to shut it down like baseball every year, are we going to have a season? Are we going to lock down like? Is that going to be toxic for college football if it happens to like baseball? It's toxic already. Like, what difference is it going to make? <laughs> like, this sport is so corrupt. Like, it ain't going to make a difference. I think yeah. that some of all of this, if we're going to go unlimited, no cap, then we need to figure out how to get better refs yeah. and umps and everything oh, else. Exactly. Training. I mean, it honestly is pathetic just how many instances you see in every sport in the SEC. It's pretty pathetic. So if we're just going to go balls to the wall and no caps on NIL, there should be no caps on anything, and they should just train the shit out of these people and make them be held accountable for their actions and their calls. I honestly, I loved the interview idea where they have to actually go interview afterwards and be like, so, like, what was your rationale about this call? And just see, like, what are they going to say? I would turn on the Pittsburgh fucking fourth quarter Hendon Hooker QB draw and say to the SEC, how are we going to fix this problem right here? What are we, what are we going to do to fix this? Because everyone knows that was a first down. Or turn on the Purdue game to Music City Bowl. What are we going to do to fix this right here to get this rule fixed? Because I'll buy in if we have no cap. But we're going to have to fix these problems if y'all are going to be controlling all this money, having all this stuff on your hands, because it's absolutely ridiculous. Like, so many games, you know, going back to the Bama game, or, you know, when Hunden Hooker got targeted, that didn't get called. Like, I feel like you better go all out, balls to the wall, because you're a multi-billion dollar company. You're a multi-billion dollar conference and you know if you're going to be the best then be the best invest to be the best if you're going to be making all that money with no cap on it like and more oh sorry oh yeah i do have to say though like one of my good friends i grew up with his dad was like an sec baseball umpire right 
but he also he also was referee for Georgia high school football. So I'll just be honest with you, they don't like they just get guys to get guys. I mean, like I feel like at this point, like if you've ref or umpired a third grade baseball rec league game, it's probably more than enough to like you know umpire an SEC baseball game. So. Uh, I, like if you're gonna like if you're gonna put all this money in this like in this type of stuff like at least invest it in the umpires and the referees, man. I mean we've not just us, but like so many other teams like in the last like 15, 20 years have gotten screwed over by so many abysmal calls at the very end. Like they got it, they got to address that. It has to be fixed, and also, I just, I just don't understand. I, I've really lost my train of thought and I'm freaking pissed because I had something like right here and then I was going to say it and then Drew and I were talking at the same time. Alex, go ahead and then I'll try to. <laughs> oh, you're good. I was just going to say like there there really is zero reason why we don't hold officiating accountable. You know what I'm saying? Like like why, why, do, why do players have to answer for the plays that they make and coaches have to answer for the decisions that they make, but referees don't? Like there, there's zero reason. And and the only time that people get held accountable is if something happens, let's go back to the Miami Duke football game where half the band ends up on the field, but then like they're still playing the game. So like that, the, the reason that something came down from that is because it became a national talking point plastered all over ESPN, plastered all over sports center. And then the ACC was like, Oh, everybody's talking about us. We should probably suspend them. So then they did, but like, yeah, what's, what's wrong with, like, I mean, you don't have to go at them and be like, you're an idiot, you're stupid, you missed that call. Like, what did you do? Granted, we're going to do that. But, like, in, in terms of, like, journalism, like, I feel like it's it's a fair question to be like, hey, like, you saw this, we saw something different. Like, do you care to explain, like, what your thought process was? I mean, and then there's nothing wrong with that because then you do get that account accountability factor and you're like, okay, well, it looks like this person, this person, this person are making more of the correct calls than these are. So why would I not put those dudes in positions for New Year's Six Bowls or college football uh, playoff championships or the Final Four and stuff like that? Like that, it, that it makes perfect sense. It makes absolutely perfect sense. I really remembered my thought. So go ahead, go ahead. this is the reason why. And my, I mean, yes, Tennessee fans are crazy, but this could potentially eliminate some of this balls to the wall behavior because we always get so upset and we never get any fucking answers about anything. We're just forced to turn to Twitter and tag Greg Sankey and all of these analysts and tag everybody like a bunch of delusional like fans, but we never get any answers. Can you imagine if like there was a post game presser that involved like questions about some of these calls, I would sit down and watch it and be like, all right, well, at least I've got like an explanation from the dude who called it. And I think it would settle some shit down. No, because exactly. you'll, you'll have guys, it's like a, a ball picks level hater that has to go there and stand in front of the people and answer questions about why he unfairly called a game when he knows he unfairly called a game. And he's not going to be able to say that I just, I don't like Josh Hyper. I don't like Tennessee. He's going to have to come up with some excuse and they're not going to be able to hold him accountable as a professional brand and let their guys go out there and do that but what you will get is a couple of days later a little quote from the sec about how it was perfectly normal and fine to the rules and they can't do anything about it and then you're supposed to go on them on your way and get fucked again and then play in the bowl game and then get screwed again and then you know just got to live with it so basketball baseball football it doesn't matter like the sec they don't hold themselves accountable at all well, ironically enough, that Miami Duke game that you mentioned, Alex, that same officiating crew was the one that officiated the Music City Bowl. So. <laughs> he was he was the lead man. 
make that up either. Like that's actually no. true. But no, he was lead man, absolutely. The only time I've ever seen the NCAA do anything as far as changing the rules after like an abysmal officiating performance was unfortunately the 2010 Music City Bowl where North Carolina had like 29,000 players on offense. Who who North Carolina play in that one, Drew? Who'd they well, play? I was, I was there. I was haunted. For, I mean, I've been traumatized for life after watching that live. I mean, I've been there for two games where ball fans have thrown trash on the field. 2010 Music City Bowl and that Ole Miss game this past year. So, <laughs> the the Ole Miss back to back. I went to the uh, South Alabama game too, but having Ole Miss like two the big games I went to back to back being Ole Miss and Purdue and the way they ended, I just felt like you know screwed over. You know. I felt so mad. I had full Farragut furious. You know, I was aggressive. I was pissed. And I feel like it was the few, the full Tennessee fan finally came out of me, man. Like, I, I've never been, you know, full on pissed or rage ball fan. I feel like I, I needed that. So, kind of brought a new side of me. I'm kind of thankful that we lost. But at the same time, like, I got to live with that forever. It fucking sucks. Maynardville mad. Andersonville angry. Pal pissed off. Brown County rage. All the fields. Roan County Rage. That's my favorite. I was waiting on that one. <laughs> I've been waiting on that one to show up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was really bad. And that game, the Music City Bowl, took forever. And I was in Texas Roadhouse. I got off work super late. And I was expecting not to get to watch it. And then all these people are dropping F-bombs in the middle of, like, a family restaurant. And I'm just like... Yeah, we totally got screwed again. Like, I couldn't even handle it. That's that's not even that bad. I recorded that game because I had to work till 6 o'clock, and I literally turned off all the notifications, all that stuff and everything, and then except for one of my buddies is like, man, we got screwed over. And I'm just like, oh, my God, what happened? And then literally watched four hours of that till it was midnight. I've never been so pissed off in my life. I mean, and I've seen everything happen with this school. I was going to say that game started what, like three or three 30. I, yeah. I, I was at it and I, it started then and it was sundown for probably about 45 minutes to an hour when it ended. And I was like, I was like, dude, how long have we been here? Like we've been here for hours. Like I'm pretty sure it lasted like five hours. I was like, bro, first off, like we won already. Second, what, like, what are y'all doing? Like, it, like, why are we still here? Like this game is over, please just end it. And then they was like, I'll never forget what it felt like to watch that replay, the touchdown on the Jumbotron. Like we, we cheered when it happened, obviously <laughs> the previous plays under review. I look at my friend and I'm like, they're going to do it to us. Like they're, they're going to, they wouldn't review it if they didn't want to. So then they go and, and mind you, every review before this had taken at least, at least 15 minutes. They go up there and they go to the booth for like five seconds. All right. Yeah. No touchdown. And we were like, huh? Like what? And then they showed the replay, and we were like, "Bro, go go replay it again!" Like, what are you going to do? Oh, watch the wrong game. On that. Isn't it crazy? They, yeah. you know, we talk about the refs, right? And they go and review a play, and then you go and you call someone in Birmingham, Alabama, and you, you discuss it for five to 10, 15 minutes, however long it takes, two commercial breaks, and you go out and you say, "Yeah, that's the one," and you just <laughs> you go with your call, and then you got and then you got to you know understand you know after the game, you're wondering why you're getting trashed on at you, why you're getting tweets about your address or why people are calling you at the airport at Tyson McGee. Like you, you wonder why, but well, that was the thing about like the 2010 music city bowl. Right. was like, they ended the game. The rest are like, the game's over. Tennessee wins. And then like five minutes later, he comes out and he's like, 
The play's under right. review. And then it's like, everybody's like, like you got Derek. I was under review. It's over. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you said the game was over. It ended. Like, you can't replay what? that now? Like, replay them all then. Replay all the games we lost up until this point if we just going to do this. Like, let's just run the clock back up. It's so, so ridiculous. Washington, Tennessee Athletics, I'm telling you. Roan County Rage, baby. I love that one. <laughs> I can't wait for them to screw us over against Florida this year. I already know it's going to happen. Oh, full on checkered kneeling. Billy Napier's. You, you think it was bad he followed Jeff Matsius at the McGee Tyson Airport? If they screw us over against Florida this year, literally Knoxville will burn down the ground and there's going to be death threats. There's no doubt about it. Oh, man. <laughs> We're going to be an SEC crew that fucks us that time because in the Music City Bowl is an ACC. But I think in all of the regular season play, like it's on your conference. So mm-hmm. another SEC play, I, I don't put it past them, honestly. Seeing Tennessee coming back all this glory in the media, I would not put it past them come the third week of the season to just bend us over and put us against the barrel of 50 states. Just fuck us right there. But I kind of was going into my next topic. If you wanted to talk about the next season, <laughs> what do y'all see happening next season? Because I see a lot of people like eight and four, nine and three, seven and five, you know, being negative Like, what do y'all see to kind of close it out? I feel like you land Brew McCoy, you land some defensive guys, if you can, you know, find some spots. Like, there's no reason returning, everybody returning in, you know, a second year. Heisman, Dark Horse candidate, you should go at least nine and three. God, let's let's pipe it down. Let's, Tennessee hasn't won ten games or nine games in like what? How many years? Let's take a step back, okay? Let's take a step back. We still got to remember that we have to go at Pitt, and Pitt looks like a top fifteen opponent now since they got that quarterback from USC. They're not going to be easy. We got at LSU. Last time we won at LSU was two thousand five. Okay. We gotta go at Georgia. We gotta still play Bam. I'm just yeah. I'm just saying, like, I still think this team will go eight and four, maybe nine and three. I am not gonna say though, like I think nine and three is like the top of the ceiling for this team. Worst case scenario, seven and five. I mean, if you win one more game than you did last year, that's like what I consider yeah. like so we went, you know, we finished seven and five last year. If we can go eight and four, then we're on the right track. But I am not I will not in a million years ever say that we're going nine and three because every time we get our hopes up, it turns to shit and we all get redneck angry and then we want to fire the guy. So let's just yeah. pipe it down a little bit. All right. Let's just pipe it down. Yeah. I was, I was successful. Do what? <laughs> I was, I was saying, saying, I said at least eight and four is a success, but I mean, shit, like you, you got to grow. You got guys no. like South Carolina, Missouri. But if you lose to one of them this year in the year two, yeah. after you just hose them, like there's. And we have a defense that allowed a walk on quarterback for 5,000 yards against us in the Music City Bowl. Like, so, like, there's a lot of room for improvement. We're still trending the right direction, though. Don't get me wrong. Like, I, I'm, I'm right there with Drew. I was, I was honestly thinking eight and four because I, I try to be cautiously optimistic. The last time we got excited was uh, 2016. And we dropped games to Vandy and South Carolina that year. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I'm also pumping the brakes. Also, the last time we were at LSU, we tried to defend a goal on stand with 15 players. <laughs> so <laughs> we're going to have to figure that one out, too. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, like, we had 15 players on defense on our fault, and then the opposing team the same year had 29,000 players on offense, and we still lost both, game, both games. Like, that's so balls. Yep, yep, that's us. And then they changed the rule later. <laughs> oh my god, I, I am, I'm thinking, I'm being like a slightly cautious now. Later on, like as it gets closer to football season, I expect us all to still be here. 
And I want to do like a full like game by game prediction and run through that. That's kind of like a season opener. That's one of my favorite things to do. Um, I'm going to be cautious and say eight and four. However, I say that we do beat Florida at home. I don't give a shit who the refs are. Michael's going to bring the money and it's not going to matter. And we beat Florida at home. I'm fully confident in that. I was there the last time that we beat Florida at home and we were down 21 to zero at the half. And I had all the faith in the world that we were coming back and we did. We blew the brakes off of them. So I don't think that we realize how bad Florida might be next year. Not only did they lose so many to the transfer. Listen, listen, to quote Trey Wallace, what he said, he said, there is no way that Tennessee shouldn't go in there and probably beat Florida this year. Like, they have, they are atrocious at depth. They are literally us last year and the year before that. They have like defensively, maybe offensively, but defensively, I'm just I don't see anything on their defensive line or you know D backs. They maybe have a one team. Their first team can go with anybody, but you know when you get to that second team, third team depth, I just you know after the third fourth quarter going with speed and how we do go fast. If you can get up to like a two three you know score jump in the first quarter like this offense is meant to do. Like, I just don't see them being able to play catch-up. It might be too early in the Billy Napier area, in my opinion. I'm just calling my shot, but. Dude, we lost to Florida when they lost to Georgia Southern at home. All right, like, like it doesn't matter how untalented or how out of depth that they are. Like, they've had our number. I mean, we've beaten them once in the, like, in the last 17 years. So, I understand it. Like, logically, it all makes sense that we should beat Florida, but this game never makes any sense, ever. I mean, like, it never does. Like, even when we have more talent than they do, they always find a way to, you know, miraculously win at the very end. I'm not trying to be a negative ball. I know, like, you think I'm balls picks over here, but, like, listen. Like, I'm just – I don't want y'all to be heartbroken, okay? I have already know, like, listen. how that game goes. I don't want you guys to be heartbroken, and then I see it all over Twitter that night. Like, I'm not going to tolerate that. I'm so. letting you know, Drew, we are <laughs> – I'm calling the shot. We are beating Florida, and then we are uh-huh. driving down the. We are down, uh-huh. We're driving to Baton Rouge, uh-huh. and we're taking the country uh-huh. accent away from Brian Kelly. Great. We are, now, we are going. To- now they just beat us by three touchdowns at home this year. Thanks a lot, Brando. Hey, just- wait. I'll, we I'll we we got to talk about how how uh, breaking news ball picks just reveals his identity as as Drew over here. <laughs> He's telling everybody. He's telling the world who he is. I have. I am Jeremy Pruitt's burner account, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Name of Wow, we have talked about everything. I swear we've talked about everything. Except for basketball. Yeah, basketball. Except for basketball. Stop we, we need to talk about that. I mean I mean we just only have two notes really. Just transfer portal stuff, I guess. Kind of last week we talked about all the exits out of basketball with everything we we're expecting and kind of what we kind of hinted at. It's Tennessee looking to reload and uh, improve with their reloading this in the transfer portal. You got uh, Yuri Collins, the nation's leading assist leader. He kind of jumped in the portal this past weekend. Uh, there's kind of been some Tennessee chatter there behind the scenes that everyone's been talking about. So I think Tennessee's in a really good spot there to land Yuri Collins. And then you got the other guy, Julian Phillips, the 2022 guy that committed, uh, decommitted from LSU. Uh, he was, you know, looking serious at Tennessee or going to the G League. But now Auburn kind of laid in there and came a factor. So it's going to be a Tennessee-Auburn battle. You know, ball fans here and that, they hear Tennessee and Auburn, they're like, oh, God, not again. But, you know, I, I feel good about it. I think this guy's a top-level prospect. And if you want to play and you want to win and start immediately, you go to Tennessee because, you know, you have those exits. They're looking for immediate impact guys at that, at that position. So, 
I like it. Yeah. Other than that, just quiet. I just listening, just listening to the Brando nugs. That's all. <laughs> we just taking it all in. I'm high. I'm fired up. <laughs> the whole the whole Caleb Heron uh, recruitment it got me fired up because I know I I kind of uh, knew before a lot of people I hinted at y'all in the chat like, hey, this is about to go down. We're about to get a, a big time commit. You know, about to shock the world because I feel like they really needed some good publicity after the whole past weekend with what you know happened with Casper. And then you do get that good publicity. You lock down the number one player in your state for the first time, and I don't even know how long. Like probably at least four or five years, like absolutely ridiculous. Like it's been a while since you've locked down. So, you know, controlling your state, locking down your state, not letting guys rage you, I feel like off to a, a crazy start. And I think this month and next, like recruiting is going to be ridiculous, like absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. Close the borders, build the wall. Oh my God. Or <laughs> 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 a, a, a wrong time. Sorry, my bad. <laughs> you been celebrating the holiday too much, Alex? Oops. <laughs> No, I just got out of class. You know that. Let's not get out of control. I say that as I've went like, this is what happens when I don't have notes, guys. I just say everything that's on my mind. Yeah. As we mentioned about, we're going to send over pussy pockets to like, yeah. We're talking about the holidays. At all today. Yeah. Woo! That's what you said. You literally. <laughs> you tweeted like, word for word, bar for bar. Even though <laughs> this has been the most out of control episode we've had, at least since I've been here. Well, that's because there's no notes. So I had no structure for my brain. It's just going. Yeah, that's fair. Fair. It's okay. Wait. That's why my Twitter account is the way it is. <laughs> oh, my God. What a show. Ooh. What a show. I'm had a great time. All right, Brando, do you have anything else to drop? Oh, uh, we forgot to mention Jay White retired. That's another big basketball news thing. Uh, longtime coach Jay White, uh, he retired and is gonna fuck that bitch. His name, yeah, Jay Wright, not White. Jay, Jay Wright, he retired. I was mentioning to Drew before the episode. You know, a lot of these big time coaches kind of crazy to see the college basketball landscape changing so much and seeing all these guys you kind of watch for years and heard you know them being elite level coaches and kind of seeing them go. It's a new era, and it's like a lot of young-minded guys getting picked up. So I'm interested to see where college basketball goes as a whole after the game changes. So, but interesting move of them to hire Kevin Neptune, who, uh, which hell of a name by the way, that's I mean awesome name. But for a guy that went 16 and 16 at Fordham, really, really bizarre choice of head coach. But uh, maybe they know what they're doing. I don't know. Only time will tell. I guess so. Jay Rock, ex coach of the Lakers. You heard it. Oh my God. I'll, I'll close my statements on this. Someone said, uh, someone Grant, said the NBA in 15 years, and I'm telling you, that's what's going to happen. <laughs> hey, I'm just happy with about the Grizz, baby. Uh, Boston's over here getting a, a struggle right now with the Nets. Not looking too good for Boston and Grant Williams, but hopefully, uh, Joe Johnson and Josh Smith will be able to bounce back on Friday and get the Hawks a win over the three. Golly. Wow. <laughs> Blast from the past. Holy cow. That's crazy. It's like, I was yeah. telling, it's like I was telling Brando, I was like, dude, I've been so out of touch with NBA basketball that I still thought Joe Johnson was playing for Atlanta. <laughs> that was, that, that, uh, how old was that? Like, he apparently was. for over 10 years. Yeah. And he's so. I don't think that's God. like that's like ten years old and like <laughs> six teams ago. <laughs> At least six teams. Man, someone uh, someone on Twitter said uh, Ten Man Jones. He, he tweeted the saying that Jeff Massius owns uh, Wounded Warriors two bucks. 
that chest bump against Tony Vitello. I don't know if y'all saw the picture of Tony Vitello with the sign today when he was at the, uh, the student event saying uh, chest bump and it's $2 for the donation for Wounded Warriors. That's I thought funny. that was pretty cool. It kind of went viral and on Twitter. That was cool to see, you know, the first signing of Coach V outside of the suspension. And he's like kind of taking it in while being quiet. But to see some light shed on it and, you know, for a good cause was made me happy to see. Well, we're taking our crazy negatives and turning them into positives. I mean, at least we're doing something, right? We're, we're, taking, we're taking our death threats to charity cases instead. So we're progress. progress. Well, we raised 300K for, you know, our guys. So. That's true. I mean, we're making moves, man. You know, we can't, you can't change all at once. True. Like, you know, like we might we might send death threats to, you know, referees Nassius, and, you know, might follow him to Tyson McGee. But yeah, you know, but hey, so change. change. <laughs> oh, my God, guys, my computer's literally about to die. I'm glad I looked up and I didn't just like die out of in the middle of the universe. Of yeah. Yeah, that would have pulled a you. So, oh, oh my god, yeah, both of them both catching of them. strays at the end of the show. Brando Andrew, hey, mine was like whole entire different circumstances, <laughs> right? Like, you just sounded like a garbage disposal for the front half of the, <laughs> the time we were on. <laughs> that, that was a pretty tough uh, debut, I have to say. Well, I'm, about to, I'm about to watch the Toronto and uh, Philly game, but apparently they're chanting fucking bead, and that is some must-see content. So if uh, we're done here, I'm going to go enjoy some basketball. I don't know about y'all. Hopefully Chris Bosh can be able to pull off an upset. Yeah. All right, I'm done, with, I'm done with your fucking shit. <laughs> hey, the, the only time the only time I will – sorry, I'd love this will be the last thing I say. The only time I will pull for a sports team out of Memphis is the Memphis Grizzlies. So grit and grind, go Grizz, go. Go Vols. Low, take it away. All right. I guess we're done. Wild episode, fun episode. Um, make sure that you don't take our jokes seriously. It is sarcasm. Please don't take it seriously at all. <laughs> Especially me. Uh, until next time. Good night. Go balls. Go balls, baby. Go balls.